your Bible and let's go to John uh, chapter 4. Last week in John chapter 4, if you can believe that. Not the last week in John. Maybe this time next year will be the last week in John. John chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 43. Again, I want to remind you, as soon as we are finished here, we're going to head over uh, to that house. And uh, you can grab your hot dog or something. And... Uh, look and see what you have been a part of uh, since I think we started this February maybe I can't remember uh, but I want you to see what God is doing uh, and there's going to be some others out there with us uh, that you can meet that's been a part of that project so John chapter 4 we are going to pick it up in verse 43 which is right after Jesus has been dealing with the Samaritans and uh, now we're going to find Jesus dealing with someone uh, else in need of some grace. After two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival. For they also had gone to the festival. He went out again to Canaan of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. Verse 48 says this, Jesus told him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my son dies. Jesus said, go. Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that his boy was alive. He asked him at what time he got better. They said, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now, this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. Man, I'm just going to be real brief with y'all this morning. Um, and I just got three things I want to pull out uh, from this scripture this morning. In fact, probably pull out a dozen things. Uh, from this, but just a few. And I think what John wants us to see in this is our belief in Jesus. John also wants us to see the power of Jesus. Amen. And he also wants us to see the grace in Jesus. When, when we started this uh, journey, if you look back up in the beginning of chapter four, what, what did you see? Jesus was supposed to be going to Galilee, but what did he do? He took a slight detour uh, down to Samaria, uh, up into, and now he's back in where he had started. So if you remember back week one, that's months ago, can you remember the theme, the central theme of the gospel of John that you would believe, right? And he summarizes this towards the end of the book. He says, I write these things so that you would believe, Okay. That's the whole purpose uh, of this book. And so Jesus does something interesting, and he tells them 
A prophet has no honor in his own country. But right after he says that, the Galileans welcome him. Now, did anybody find that interesting? I kind of found that a little weird because he's saying, I'm not welcome in my hometown, but I'm going back to my hometown. Y'all ever been into like a party or a room of people, maybe a job or somewhere, and you've, you, you had this weird sense that I don't belong here? Nobody? You're not as awkward as I am then. Because I've been in many of those situations where like, yo, these people ain't like me. I'm weird. And I know I'm weird. I'm straight, I'm straight with that, right? I mean, I'm the most awkward individual you will probably meet in your life. I've been in those situations where I'm like, gosh, I don't belong here. And so what we, if I don't belong somewhere, and hopefully you don't feel that way right now. Side note. <laughs> I, need, I really want you to feel like you belong here, okay? Here's Jesus going, I'm not welcome, but I'm going there. And the text is so weird because the Bible says, but the Galileans welcomed him. What's the problem here? If you're looking at this at surface, you're thinking, what is Jesus talking about? The problem is, is they were welcoming Jesus for what he could do instead of for who he really was. That's a huge break here. Big difference. Jesus is like, you jokers, you, you remember what he, like his subtle rebuke, not to the official, but he's like, y'all, in southern language, y'all just like me for what I can do. Y'all just after me for my miracles. You're not after my glory. You're not after the essence of who I am. You're not after the person of Jesus, the Son of God. You're just after what I can do for you. So here's Jesus, like, right in the middle of this scene, opening up and exposing the heart of these people, knowing he's not welcomed here. And Jesus gets this, right? Like if you look uh, back at chapter 1, verse 11, uh, it, it says that he came to his own and his own didn't even want him there. If you flip to chapter 7, he's talking to his OG crew, his half-brothers. And like they're telling him, like, go do all those signs. And the Bible says, yet they did not believe in him. So Jesus knew. These people, they were just after what he could do for them and not for who he was. And so Jesus is rebuking them. This is not a new thing with God and the Jewish people. This isn't new. This has been carrying through since Genesis. Look at every chapter in the Old Testament. You will find a situation where the people of God were after what, they, what God can do for them. And so God would like display glorious miracles. He'd part waters. He'd bring down food from heaven. He would make the sun stand. So, I mean, just all these incredible signs and miracles. And if you look like at the last part of that chapter or the next chapter, like even like in Exodus and in Numbers and Joshua and Judges, like all of these great books, like you look and see God, how he's pouring out uh, his miracles. Yet just a few lines later, they'll go right back to their idols. They'll go right back to chasing after their own desires 
In fact, if you know like uh, like some Hebrew, I don't. If you do, that's pretty cool. Uh, you're a lot more smarter than I is. Um, but the Hebrew word for Israel, like if you look up in Genesis chapter 32, where Israel is presented, it's from when Jacob is wrestling that angel. Y'all remember that story? Like crazy story. Like I ain't wrestling nobody, much less an angel. I mean, I wrestle my kids just because I know I can defeat them. But like an angel, I ain't, I ain't got time for that. Like I'd just be like, you know, like an abused dog would do. Like tuck it. Now Jacob, he's, he's wrestling, he's struggling with this angel. And in the morning time, the angel leaves and God gives Jacob a new name, Israel. And Israel literally translates as struggle with God. So for chapters after chapters after chapters up until the arrival of Jesus Christ we are still seeing this tension and struggle with Jesus a people who are just after what he can do for them and Jesus is coming into the scene he's like listen I'm going to expose that part of you that's what he does he exposes this part of this official you're just after what I can do for you. Like, now tell me that isn't us sometimes. Right? Like, we love the picture of Jesus that in our despair, in our struggle, we love it, man. We're like, that's the Jesus we love because that's when we go after Jesus, when we're most in need. It's so dangerous to be on the mountaintops of life because you think that you've gotten there within your own power and you forget God. And Jesus is rebuking that, right? Like here is this idea that a lot of us fall into, that we just want Jesus when life is bad. We want Jesus to do this and to do that. And, and tell me I ain't wrong at this because this is me, this is my heart. When Jesus doesn't do something that I think he should do, like I'm gonna wave my fist in the air, like how could you do this? Like, this is you, God. Like, why didn't you move? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you heal that person? Why didn't you restore that broken relationship? And we shake our fist in the heavens as if, like, we have some kind of power and authority over the God of the universe. And Jesus just, like, this is God's pursuit. Like, will you just be after me? Just be after who I am. Like, be after the thought that I am God. Jesus displaying his deity to this man here. So what Jesus is trying, what, what John the writer here is trying to expose to us is our deep need to be after the person of Jesus, not after his signs and miracles and what he can do for you. Because that's, that's a lot of us here in this room. We want what God can give us we're chasing after the miracles instead of the miracle worker. And Jesus just rebuked that man. That man, I don't know if he got it or not. Because he was like, sir, just come and heal. <laughs> now, let me be straight with y'all. This is a display of God's authority and power. Because Jesus responds how Matthew Thor would not respond. Because if I just said, all y'all want is what I can give you, I'd just drop the mic and you walk out fade in the dark. 
Oh, yeah, y'all just want me for what I can give? Okay. Okay, that's exactly what I'd say. I'd leave these jokers. Oh, you just want me for my money. I ain't got a lot, but I'll give you a little bit. Oh, you just want me for uh, what I can do. I mean, bro, I'm just being honest with y'all. I would just leave, but not Jesus. Somebody should have said amen right there, okay? Thank God that Matthew is not Jesus, okay? Thank God you are not Jesus because you know you're looking at me funny, but you do the same thing. You know, you got that one kid who's always after something of yours. Like, I can't have nothing in my house. Them jokers are a bunch of savages. Take, 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 take. And I don't even tell them, and they probably need therapy when they're older. I'm like, all y'all love me for is what I can give you. And it's true. Now listen, I have some authority, or at least I would like to think I do. I have authority over my home, I think. Like, think about this. I lead staff, I lead lay leaders, I lead a church, I lead elders. And that's, that's an authority that's probably minute compared to some of your authorities in some capacity, how, how you lead. But hear me. All of our power, all of our authority, like, collected together is nothing compared to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's what I think is happening here. Jesus is displaying his power and authority when this man is at his weakest. I would venture to say to us as a church that you and I, we are at our best when we are at our weakest. God isn't ready and waiting on us to flex our power and authority and say, man, look how good that cat is down there. Y'all, look how awesome he is. That's not the God of the Bible that I read about. God marvels at when you and I are at our weakest because that's when he is at his strongest. So it's not that God is looking for like strong people with incredible authority with who are powerful and who can uh, wave their affluence and influence over people. God's not looking for those type of people. He's looking for people who are at uh, their weakest because that's when he displays his power. So here's this official who is weak, who has some type of power, but right now he's weak, y'all. And Jesus here is flexing his authority and power. Like Jesus speaks, and, and at the moment, like think about, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around this, but this kid is probably 15 or 20 miles away. And if you, re you read the story right, right? Like the same moment that Jesus speaks the word, this kid is made well. I don't care what kind of authority you got. Ain't nobody doing that. Right? You ain't got that kind of power. But Jesus here is not just displaying uh, how, uh, how weak we are, but he's also displaying how powerful he is. Like Jesus is trying to show them, like, I have a power that you can't even imagine 
like he speaks. He could have been 15 million miles away, and even at that same moment, this kid would have been healed. That's a power and authority that we can't even fathom or understand. Think about that in terms of the God that you serve, that he has that kind of power that at the very spoken word can change something. Like we need to lean into that power, not into our own power. We need to lean into the power of Christ, the power of the risen Savior, that the spoken word of Jesus can radically create something and make something that was dead into life. Like that's the power you need to lean into, not your own power. Because your power is nothing when it is mirrored up against the power of Jesus. And think about this in context. Even in Matthew 28, when Jesus is about to ascend up in heaven, what does he say? He says, all power, all authority is given unto me. Think about that. That's all authority over all things. Jesus has that power. I can't help but to think of that song. Like, I got the power. You know, like, this is Jesus. That song was written about him, y'all. It's a prophetic word. I didn't know if y'all knew that or not. I just made that up. I'm not like that now. Now, notice this last part. I'm going to spend a little bit of time with this, so don't, don't come up yet. This is going to be my long point. Jesus is like, he, he, he gives them this rebuke. He's like, all right, you guys want me for my signs? Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Yeah. Jesus told him, go, your son will live. Now, not only is Jesus displaying an incredible amount of power here, but I, I need you to see this this morning. He's displaying his grace. What I think he should have rebuked him, and I think he should have condemned him, but that's not why Jesus came. I didn't come to condemn. The Jesus of the Bible, and I need you to see this, he shines a light on the darkest parts of our soul just so we can see our need of his grace. That's what Jesus did right here. He exposed him for who he is. You just want me for my signs. And watch what Jesus did. He offered grace to him. Hasn't he been doing this the whole book of John? Started with Nicodemus exposed him for who he was and he said but I got something for you I got a remedy to the curse it's what he it's what he did to the Samaritan woman and you chasing after all these things but I got the living water and now here again the official he's like you just want me for my signs here's grace for you not a rebuke not condemnation what we think that this guy should have got Jesus gives him what he needs and it's his grace this is interesting because the amazing thing about this is who Jesus is dealing with Jesus is dealing with a royal official who is most likely serving the king in this area y'all know who the king is king Herod Antipas a wicked, vile 
disgusting man. Here's this king who in just a short amount of time is going to have Jesus' cousin beheaded. Here's a wicked king who, like, does weird things, all right, y'all? Like, he, he would have been in prison um, if he were here today, okay? Had a stepdaughter dancing provocatively for him. So let's, let's just say, like, this guy's nasty, okay? And here is a royal official that works for this creep, okay? I'm not suggesting he was participating with this guy, but let's be straight. Let's have some talk, all right? This is just, this is my observation from the text. I'm not suggesting this is exactly how it's going here, but if I'm a Jew and I see this cat, I don't like him, right? If I see this guy, I'm thinking of getting the boys and teaching them a lesson. Not me. I'm going to get the boys to teach them a lesson. I'm just the facilitator. <laughs> I don't like this guy. I mean, he's serving that scumbag that nobody likes. So watch this now. Look who Jesus is running after. Jesus is turned down by Nicodemus, the religious elite. So who does he go to? The Samaritan woman, who is the outcast, who is the down and out. And now he goes to yet another outcast, who is the up and out. And Jesus is showing to all these people, my grace isn't just for the religious elite, even though they do not want any part of it. That's fine. I'll go down to the Samaritans and I'll go to this guy that nobody likes who has some type of authority, but he's what I call the up and out. You see the beauty of grace here? Hey, think about that. The grace is not just for the down and out, but here's grace for the up and out. The people who are participating or, or who are a part of this evil, disgusting king. I bet you his disciples would be like, Jesus, we got to work on your PR, man. You down there with a Samaritan woman. Folks going to be thinking you having relationships with her. And now you're with this, this creep dude here. Like, think about the Jesus that we serve and think about that in relation to our lives. Like, what kind of people are you in relationship with? I can go ahead and tell you, we probably ain't doing it right if they're all just like us. If everybody that I'm in relationship with are in their 30s, I was going to say late 30s, but I'm still dealing with that. If everybody that I'm in relationship, if they just white, if they're just like little small families, uh, if they're in my kind of economic class, if everybody's like that, then let me, let me just throw this out there. You're doing life wrong. And here's Jesus kind of showing us and exposing this to us. 
that my grace isn't just for the people who look and smell and act and make as much as money as you. My grace is for everyone. So church, how you doing with that? God's grace is not just for you. And my fear is that we could sometimes be guilty of hoarding the grace or just being so exhausted that I ain't got time to cross those uh, cultural boundaries. I, don't, I ain't got time to cross those racial boundaries because it's just uncomfortable. Yes, it is. And amen to that. Because that's what God has called us to as a church. To show the grace of Jesus to not just a bunch of white folks, but that we must pursue after that was really cool. That we must pursue after all races, like all people. Yeah. Not just the down and out, but the up and the out. Yeah. Hundreds of people around us that are in need of God's grace. Like, how are you going to show that to them? Let me just ask, like, what are you doing with this Jesus? With this Jesus who has all power, who has all authority. And I just want to press on this. Are you just after what he can give you? Or are you after who he is? Because there's an incredible difference. Incredible difference. The call of this text is that you would surrender. Like this text is beckoning you to surrender to the person of Jesus Christ, to believe in him and not what he can do for you. Like that's what this text is about. Like, do you believe in the Son of God, in the holiness, in the glory of God, in Christ Jesus? Or are you just after what he could do for you? And this text is calling us as a church, calling you as an individual, calling myself to surrender to him to his glory to believe in him not in what he can do for us like that's what his power that's what his authority demands from us that his authority his power demands our surrender to him and that's a glorious thing that we're not surrendering to our own will we are surrendering to Jesus Christ wherever you are you come Broken, come. Lost like this official, come. Incredibly broken like the Samaritan woman. The offer on the table that Jesus gives them. Grace. Come and feast on it. Like I give you so much grace, like it's just like from a fire hydrant, just so much grace for you. That's what Jesus has come to give. Will you surrender to that? Surrender to Christ this morning, not for what he can do for you. Let's pray.